0: Today, we're going to be wrapping up our series in Proverbs called Words to Live By. Um, I hope that you've been reading through the book of Proverbs as we've been going through this uh, study, uh, and I've heard, I hope you've gotten a lot out of it. So today, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, a verse in chapter 16. It's in verse 3, and it says this, commit your work to the Lord, and then it will succeed. Let's go ahead and pray over our time today in the Word. Father, we thank you for your Word. Thank you for what you've already done in here through your presence, through through your spirit, through, uh, through the time of worship and, and prayer. Now, Lord, I pray as we get into your word, Lord, I know your word does not return to you void. It goes out and accomplishes exactly what you've set it forth to do. So, Lord, I pray help me to clearly, uh, Lord God, um, just open up your word to the people. Help us all to receive it and to, uh, the grace to apply it to our everyday lives. Holy Spirit, have your way. Lord, this is your service. This is your time. Your kingdom come, Father. And your will, I pray, would be done. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. So the Bible says, commit your work to the Lord and it will succeed. You know, the average person is going to spend 150,000 hours of their life at work. That's about 40% of your waking hours. If you're a mom of of toddlers or preschoolers, that's 100% of your waking time, right? So Harris survey found that out of... I found out in 1973 that average American spent 40 hours a week at work, right, 40-hour work week. But by 1987, the average American spent 46 hours a week at work. If you're a professional today, you spend an average of 52 hours a week. And if you're a small business owner or operator, you work an average of 57 hours a week. So as you can see, the trend has continued to go up. And this is just an average. I know uh, as I look at Blair and Gabe and know their line of work, I know they'll those boys run some, the average is probably more like 60 hours sometimes. Both their wives are shaking their head like, yeah, they don't know what 40 hours a week is. But that's the trend. The trend is, you know, the hours a week of, of, of hours that we spend at work every week is continuing to go up. The fact is that you'll spend more time working, commuting to work, and thinking about work than you will eating, drinking, playing on the weekends, and vacationing in the summer combined. Work dominates our lives, isn't that right? For the most part, when you look at the hours that we spend or the energy we spend, it it really dominates our lives. So what does God have to say about that? God says that he wants us to succeed at work, right? That's what we just read in Proverbs 16, 3. Commit your work, whatever it is. Commit your work to the Lord, then it will succeed. There is a tremendous guarantee there, a tremendous promise. But like every promise in the Bible, with every promise, there's a condition. God says to commit your work to him and it will succeed. So the question is, how? How do we do that? How do we commit our work? Whatever kind of work we're in, whether we're plumbers or pastors or professional, uh, uh, you know, whatever it may be, salesmen managers, professors, teachers. We just prayed over all these teachers that are about to get back to work. I know most of you are probably in the classroom already, but, you know, students about to come back. You're about to get back out. How do you do that? How do you commit your work to the Lord? You might be saying, Brandon, I do want to succeed in my work and in my career. So what do I do? Well, Proverbs says there are four characteristics that you need to succeed and work. First, you need to seek God's guidance. Second, you sharpen your skills in whatever area that you're in. Third, you share the profits. And then fourth, you stay steady. So let's look at these four things a little bit closely. Number one, seek God's guidance. Now, before I go any further, you might say, well, Brandon, y'all, y'all tell us that almost every Sunday. Every Sunday, every Wednesday we hear, man, you know, seek God, seek God's direction, pray and, and whatnot. And that's, that, that's true. We, we say that a lot. But before you check out on me here, I want to show you something that I don't think when we say we talk about seeking God's guidance, we often connect the two things. So look at these two verses in Proverbs. Proverbs 15, 8, the Lord is pleased when good people pray. So yes, of course, we need to pray and seek God's guidance supernaturally, spiritually. But look at the second verse, Proverbs 21, 5. It says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. So two things, these two things go together. Prayer and planning go together. A planned life is a major theme in the book of Proverbs. You know, what football season going to be coming here pretty soon, be approaching. No one has ever scored a touchdown without having a plan. Isn't that right? No one, if if you look at, there's 11 men that are on the field of a football team at one time, and all 11 guys got to be on the same page and have a plan to be able to go and drive that ball down the field and score a touchdown. There's a lot of people who work hard and are going nowhere fast. You can be a hard worker. Put 21-5 back up, please, Doug, because what does it say? It doesn't just say be a hard worker. It says what? Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. So it takes prayer and planning. That's part of seeking God's guidance. Think about it. The Bible says we make our plans, but the Lord directs our steps. Now, that doesn't mean, and I would always, well, I, I think it could have multiple meanings. I would always read that as like, well, we make our plans, but the Lord's going to direct us where he wants us to go. But I think those things work more closely than, than we think sometimes. It's that as we pray, if we're actively praying and seeking God's guidance and we make our plans, he will direct us through those plans. Are you all following me this morning? So seeking God's guidance is not just, hey, pray and let the chips fall where they may. We need to have a plan, Right? I remember hearing Adrian Rogers say years ago, and it's it's similar. He said, man, if you are believing God for a house, you better say amen with a hammer in your hand. You better have some plans of how, you know what, God will provide and help you. But you know what, God's not just going to drop a brand new house out of the sky, right? You better go get some plans drawn up, get some buddies to come help you start framing up that house. And I believe the Lord will help you along that path. He'll give you the creative ideas or the, the, the supernatural uh, direction of where you need to go. So how do you do that? In seeking God's direction, you might pray something as simple as, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Or what do you want me to do with my career? Am I on the right career path right now? And maybe you are, but it's like, Lord, what am, and we're going to look at ways to do that. What do I do in my life? You seek God's direction, and as you sense God's leading, you begin to make a plan. Proverbs 13, 16 says, a wise man thinks ahead, a fool doesn't. And even brags about it. A wise man thinks ahead. The food doesn't. He even brags about it. So, you know, some people just wing it. They just wing it through life. And I made up a word at the first service. Wingers never prosper. When, you just, when you're just winging it at, at work and at life. Pastor Todd was talking to us about that just the other day. He said, man, if you get up in the morning and you're just like, man, what am I going to do today? Where am I, how, what am I going to do at work? It, I want to encourage you. It's good to have a plan the night before. Matter of fact, I sit down Sunday night and I open, I look at my calendar. I plan out the week before Monday even hits. I have my whole week planned out, meetings, schedule, what I'm going to do every day, when I'm going to spend time with the Lord, when I'm going to try to go to the gym. You know, I plan that stuff out. You got to have a plan. The old saying, if you if you fail to plan, then what? You plan to fail, Right. You you gotta plan out and but but seeking God's guidance alone. So it, it's it's both spiritual and practical. Seeking God's guidance is not just praying. Yes, we must pray, but the Bible makes it clear. A wise man he thinks ahead. He he prays. He 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 plans out. Set some career goals. We often hear about a five year plan. Let me take it a little further. Maybe you need to ask God. God, where do you want me to be in ten to fifteen years? Have you ever thought that far down the road? Where do you want me to be in fifteen years? Where do I want to be in 15 years? Where is it that I want to be? Do I want to still be in the same place in my career? At my job? Maybe in your location? You know? If you're living in a two bedroom apartment and you plan on having more kids, you probably don't want to be in that apartment anymore. I know that firsthand. We started having children. We had a, we were blessed. We had a small spec home, three bedrooms, one bath. We had a child. Good deal. We had twins. It's like, okay, we can still make it work. You know, my wife and I have a room. My son has a room. The twins have a room. Then that fourth baby came around. I'm like, okay, four females and one bathroom was not computing in my mind. So I was like, I need to get a plan. Either we're going to add a bathroom onto this house or, you know what, I have a plan to get us in a bigger house. So we got a plan out. Where do you want to be? Then ask God, not only where do you want me to be, but God, what do you want me to be in 10 or 15 years? And then ask yourself, what do I want to be? What kind of man or woman or student, child, what, what do I want to be in 10 or 15 years? You know, because the truth is, is when you start praying and planning today, what you do today is who you're going to become in 10 years. Matter of fact, it's who you're going to become by the end of this year. What you do tomorrow when you get up or even the rest of this day, the plan you set for your day tomorrow, your week this week, the rest of the month, next month in August and so forth and so on, what you do now is who you're going to become. So ask the Lord, what do you want me to be? Where do you want me to go? And ask yourself that question and pray. Seek the Lord's guidance, set some goals, and get a plan. Amen? Number two, you need to sharpen your skills. Not only do you pray and get a plan, but you need to sharpen your skills. Look what Ecclesiastes 10.10 says. If your axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. Skill is what brings success according to the Bible. Now, the Bible has some very, very spiritual things. But as you can tell in Proverbs, in this scripture in Ecclesiastes, the Bible is very practical as well. Right? It's just common sense. If I'm trying to chop down a tree and I have a dull axe, guess what? It's going to take me a lot longer to chop down an axe and I'm going to spend a lot more a time chopping away at it, right? I was actually talking to Lon this week and and, and Lon, the kind of work he does and works in all off field and he uh, he was on a boat that had two motors and I was, I was talking to him, you know, he said one of the motors wasn't working. What's very practical, he's like, man, you know, if you got two motors and you got to get out a little further in the, in the coastal, it's going to help you a little bit. I'm sure you was glad Lon that a storm didn't rise up, right? Because, you know, he might have been in a bind. You know, this is kind of the same way. You know, for us, we got to sharpen our skills. Our skills and our work is kind of like the motors on the back of that boat. Right. The, the the more we have them all running on all cylinders, the better we're going to do. You know, Abraham Lincoln is quoted as saying, if I had five minutes to chop down a tree, I'd spend the first three sharpening my axe. Now, there's a variation of that, so it could be hours and minutes, but it's true. I remember the guy I used to work for. Uh, so a good friend of mine, Troy, when, when we would, before we get on a job, especially Monday mornings, uh, sometimes other days, and we, you know, I was a farmer, we would be going to multiple jobs, and we would take time. We were on the clock, work started, but we wouldn't just run off and scatter and hope everything gets done. We would have a plan, and he used to quote a- that Abraham Lincoln quote all the time. He'd say, guys, if we're gonna work eight hours today, we need to spend at least the first 15, 20, 30 minutes of getting a game plan of what we're gonna do. We need to sharpen our skills, and look, look, uh, and that's more of planning, Going back to sharpening our skills, the thought of of improving your skills is actually a theme through the Bible of some of the most spiritual men that we read about. If you think about Joseph, Daniel, and David, all these men sharpened the skills in the arena of their life, and whenever uh, a, a bad circumstance came up, they rose to the top. We all heard the saying, right, the cream rises to the top. Guess what? That cream don't rise to the top by itself. The Lord helps us. The Lord says that he's the one that promotes. He's the one that tears down. But you know what? We got to do our part. You know, that it, it comes back to being a good steward. If you're gifted and you're talented, which all of y'all are, look to your neighbor and say, you're gifted. Look to your other neighbor and say, you got some talent. Listen, all of us are gifted and talented. So part of being a good steward, you know, you hear we talk about being a good steward of our finances. Being a good steward of our time, you know a way of being a good steward of your gift is by developing that gift is by developing the skills that you have. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you more valuable at your place of employment today than you were a year ago? Ask yourself that question: Am I more valuable in my company and in my place of employment today as I was one year ago? You become more valuable. By continuing to learn and by continuing to develop your skills. You know, listen, everyone. We shouldn't finish our education whenever we get out of school, right? No matter what level of education you got, whether it's high school, college, or you got an MBA, whatever, we shouldn't stop our, our level of education. We should be constantly learning about uh, the, the the area of life that we're working in. All you teachers that came up here, let me ask you teachers a question. Your job is to teach others. I bet any one of these teachers in here would tell us that you're not, you hadn't stopped learning, right? You're still learning, right? Is that true, Alice? You're still learning. Uh, all these ladies can tell you that they're still learning in the, in the the in the trade or in the field that they're in. And we must continue to learn as well. Listen, what you don't know, you can learn. How do you sharpen your skills? Well, there's two general ways. Number one, by trial and error. Now, this is the hard way and usually the most painful way. You just learn by experience. You just try it, and if it don't work, you kind of wing it again. If it don't work, it's good. You can, hey, you know, you can look at it as a loss or you can look at it as a lesson. And, and we do learn that way. That is the way a lot of us learn. But that's the hard way, the slower way and the more painful way. The second way is we can learn from other people right? See, it's wise to learn from our own mistakes, but it's even wider, it's wiser to learn from other people's experiences, right? You know, I don't have all the time. Ta- don't, I don't have the time to make all the mistakes. <laughs> I don't, life's too short for me to make all the mistakes. And then I'm thankful that I have men and women that have gone ahead of me and, and, and made a lot of mistakes in, in, in my line of what I do as a pastor that can say, hey, you know what, man? Do this, don't do this. If you do this, this will probably happen. I'm thankful for Pastor Todd and Brother Francis. And guys, the day and age we live in of the Internet, of the thousands of books and podcasts and YouTube videos, right? Whatever trade you're in, if if anything, you can go on YouTube and learn more about your trade, right? I mean, there's people, I'd have friends of mine that, you know, they don't call a maintenance man anymore to come to their house. A a, a piece breaks on their dishwasher, they auto the part, and then they go on YouTube and learn how to fix it. Right? Isn't that true? How many of y'all like that? Like, I don't I don't call a maintenance guy no more. I'm I'm fixing it myself. Even got some ladies raising their hand like, I ain't spending my money on that. I'm a YouTuber. And I'm going a, I'm to a fix it myself. And that's awesome. That's the tenacity to say, hey, I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to learn how to do it. Listen, God's really calling all of us as Christians to be leaders. And John Maxwell says, a leader is a learner. When you stop learning, you stop leading. So you might not see yourself as a leader, but if you want to be a leader and your work in your home, then it's good to learn and develop the skills in whatever it is that you're doing. So that's how you sharpen your skills. Ask for advice. Look at Proverbs 15, 22. It says this, get all the advice you can and you will succeed. Without it, you will fail. You know, talk to people who are doing what you're doing or talk to people who are doing something you want to do. If you feel like you're not in your long-term career right now and you're like, man, I would really like to do this but man, I don't know how I'm gonna get there. You know what? Talk to people, read books. Again, you know, if you you know can, uh, just just uh, go to conferences or seminars or something like that, if all possible. Matter of fact, myself and and some staff members uh, are going to a conference this week. We're going to believe in Tuesday morning to go to a conference out of state. Why do we do that? We go to conferences at least once or twice a year, and we do that because we want to continue to develop our skills. We want to, Pastor Todd is such a great example. He's been pastoring for over 20 years, probably has preached thousands of sermons, and Pastor Todd is one of the greatest students I know. He's always reading books. He's always listening to podcasts and messages. He's always either going to a a conference or he's encouraging us to go to conferences like, man, I saw this. You really need to go. And that really helped me, especially as a young pastor. And even today, he would, he would, man, he would find conferences and says, man, you need to go to this. I think this would help you. Be good for you to get in a different environment, a different church and see how they're doing it and whatnot. We, none of us have learned everything there is to know. Isn't that right? The good news is what you don't know, you can learn. So I want to encourage you, number two, Proverbs says to sharpen your skills in your line of work. Number three, share the prophet. Share the prophet. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says this, Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all of your income, and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow. Notice the promise again. There's a condition and a promise. The the Lord says if you honor him with the first part of everything you make, of all of your finances, that he will bless you to overflow. Now look at Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 10. And it says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. In other words, God saying, I dare you. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's army. Listen, guys, both Proverbs and Malachi tells us that we must tithe, that, that he encourages. He, he No, he not encourages. The Lord challenges us to give 10% of our income back to him. Because ultimately, everything we have is the Lord's anyway. Isn't that right? The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. It means everything the Lord is on this earth that we have, even our children, belong to the Lord. And we have to be stewards. So he says, listen, if you want to succeed at work, if you want to succeed in your finances, you need to share the profit. You need to tithe. But, you know, that blessing he's talking about is not just a financial blessing. Yes, it refers to that. But I believe your work Your health, your relationships, your ministry, and, yes, your finances. You know, Brother Francis was in the first service, and he wrote an an awesome book called The The Kingdom's Economy by Brother Francis Martin. Tithing was one of Brother Francis' life messages. This church and everything you see around us has been built on the church's faithful tithing. Have you noticed we don't do fundraisers here? Did you notice that? The only fundraisers we ever done is like with for youth that go on mission trips and stuff like that. Brother Francis said, "I'm not." He used to say, "I'm not a good fundraiser." He said, "I'm not a good like when we built the building, uh, 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 you know, uh, a building pledge or our faith pledges and all that kind of stuff." See, I don't even know the terminology because I didn't, I didn't grow up spiritually in the church like that. They have always taught biblical tithing and left it up between you and the Lord. If you notice, there's four boxes on the back wall. Now you can tithe online or uh, on the website or the church app. And there's a promise here is that if you partner up with God with your finances, then your work, your finances will be blessed, your health. Brother Francis told a story of how his health and his children's health changed when he started tithing. He got saved at a little Baptist church in Baldwin, and a lot of y'all have heard this story, and I didn't—I wasn't even in my notes. I saw him here this morning, and the Lord reminded me of it. And he said one day after he got saved, and he finally, his pastor convinced him to start tithing, he was walking down the streets of that little town, and the pharmacist ran up to him and said, Francis, Francis, hold on, hold on. He said, hey, Francis, how you doing? He said, good. He said, where are you doing business at nowadays? And Brother Francis seemed kind of puzzled, and he said, what do you mean, where am I doing business at? And he said, well, you haven't come into the drugstore in a while to, to get any medication. And I just figured you took your business elsewhere. And Brother Francis said the light bulb went off. And he said, man, ever since I started tithing, my kids haven't been sick anymore. And there was a connection. There's a spiritual connection. Because ultimately, what you're saying is, Lord, if I give you 10% of my income, I trust you. I'm trusting you with the rest of it. You know, Brother Francis used to also say when people get saved, the last thing they let go of is their wallet. And I think that's true. I think it's true, you know. But but uh, let me share some real-life examples, Some you know, some some things you might have heard of. I, I didn't read this sticker myself, but as I was studying, I read of it. There was a bumper sticker uh, that read, God is my business partner. I wonder what percentage of the profits this man gave to the Lord. But I want to read a list of a few men that you're probably familiar with. You maybe heard of them. If you haven't heard of their their names, you probably heard of their companies. And I want you to guess what they have in common. William Colgate, founder of Colgate Palm Corporation. Henry Crow, founder of Quaker Oats Corporation. William Proctor, founder of the Procter and Gamble Corporation. Wallace Johnson, founder of Holiday Inns. Robert Welch, founder of Welch's Grape Juice. John D. Rockefeller. You ever heard of that guy? Senior, Standard Oil, and then J.C. Penney. I don't think I need to tell you what he started, right? What do you think these men all have in common? They've all publicly published testimonies of how tithing changed their business. You think you can talk talk them out of not tithing? These are all mega corporations that are still around and thriving today, right? From the very beginning their businesses of their business, they said God is going to be my partner and I'm going to give him 10 per, the first 10% at least back to him. I went on to read that many of them gave more and more as the years went on and they started million, making multiple millions. A couple of them even started doing reverse tithing where they gave 90% to the Lord and lived on 10. i read one more story, and 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 I'll, I'll wrap this point up here. I read a story about a young man years ago who began a small cheese business in Chicago. As he launched his business, he fell miserably and went into debt. A friend told him, the problem is you didn't commit your business to God, and you haven't worked with his help. The young man said, if God wants to run the cheese business, then he can do it, and I'll work for him and with him, and I'll share the profits. From that moment on, God became the senior partner in his business. It prospered and became the largest cheese company in the world. The young man's name was J.L. Craft. Ever heard of that guy or that cheese? Might have seen it in one or two stores before, right? All these men have testimonies publicly like this that they when they his his business plummeted when he it's it's a it's a committing of of every part of your life and your work to the lord so let me ask you a question is god your partner at your work in your business and whatever you do have you committed your work to the lord you know you're going to spend at least half of your life working and if god is not involved in your work let me say this god's not involved in your life or he's only involved in half of your life we, we shouldn't just compartmentalize the Lord to church on Sunday, Wednesday, life group, and our, our devotional time in the morning. The Lord needs to be involved in your work because, again, you're going to spend at least half, if not more, of your half of your waking time there and, again, your energy and your thoughts. I know we're supposed to, and I know I've been told this for years, don't take your work home. Isn't that easier said than done? You get home and it's just like, man, you had a rough day. You had, you know, there's things going on. There's issues at work. It's hard to turn it off. So if we're going to be so engulfed and involved in work, we need to commit our work to the Lord. So to succeed at work, you need to seek God's guidance through prayer and planning, continually sharpen your skills, share the profits, and then finally, number four, you need to stay steady. Stay steady. Stay diligent at what you're doing. Proverbs 12, 24 says this, diligent hands will rule, but laziness Ends in slave labor, you know, diligence and persistence is a major theme of the book of Proverbs. If you've been reading through the book of Proverbs, you've seen that. If you've read through the book, you'll see that uh, as we've gone through the study, that there's a guy that keeps popping up in the in Proverbs, and he's referred to as either the sluggard or the lazy guy. You ever read about him, right? And and often things don't work out too good for the sluggard, for the lazy guy, for the guy that's not diligent in his work. Proverbs says things like this. The lazy guy does this, but the diligent guy does this. The sluggard might do this, but the persevering man does this. There's always a contrast and the sluggard, the lazy guy is always in a negative light and is not being productive in his work. But the diligent man, the hard worker, the guy that plans, that trusts, that prays to the Lord is typically successful. Perseverance. Persistence, diligence, determination, tenacity, endurance, these are qualities that Proverbs says are ingredients to success at your workplace. It's the ability to keep on going. Listen, persistence pays off, and let me say this, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes, you conquer by continuing. You conquer by continuing. Nobody has ever won a championship by quitting. Is that not right? No one has ever won a war by quitting. Have you ever heard, man, that God made it to the top because he quit all the way there. Right? You conquer by continuing. You continue. I was talking about, man, if you see any, like, professional boxers or any kind of combat sport, these guys, man, could be being beat to a bloody pulp and they will not quit. I couldn't do it. First time i get punched in the face, I'm like, I quit. I'm done. I, that Fight, professional fighting is not my thing, but there's something about these guys that no matter what, oh, they'll they'll be choking them out, man, and they'll they'll fall asleep, and they don't even they're not going to quit. We should have that same tenacity about life. That when the enemy try, does knock you down on the mat or tries to 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 choke you out, so to speak, is that you know what we're going to keep going. We're gonna, you know, the Bible says that that you know, keep doing good because if you will reap or harvest a blessing, if you don't give up at just the right time, Gen, uh, Galatians chapter six verse nine says that that if we don't give up, you know, that's where we become productive, we become successful, we become, you know, uh, uh, we conquer. Like I said, you can't conquer by continue. Think about it. The oak tree is just a little nut that refused to give up its ground, right? That's all an oak tree is, one little small acorn that that just never gave up and refused to give up its ground. I got two big, beautiful live oaks in my front yard. And whenever those acorns start falling and we pick them up and the kids will pick them up and we'll look at them, I mean, a little bitty nut like that. And you look at these big, beautiful, majestic oak trees. And it all an oak tree is is a little nut, never gave up ground, kept persevering, kept going. You know, think about how many squirrels tried to dig that thing up, or maybe did dig it up and plant it somewhere else. Say, so, okay, well, I'm going to grow right here then, right? I like history. I don't know if some of y'all, like my wife, maybe history bores you to death, but I enjoy history. And uh, Wellington was the guy who defeated Napoleon at Waterloo. He was asked, how come the British Army was so successful? And he said this. He said, it's because the British Army has been trained to always fight an additional Five minutes longer than anybody else. The British army was trained that if when people quit fighting, you go five minutes longer. You have that tenacity. You have that drive. You don't give up. You stay steady. You stay diligent. And and Napoleon at the time was was one of if not the most powerful man in the world, but yet the British defeated him, and they did it because of diligence. They did it because they stayed steady. They stayed st- steadfast. Stay the course. Most people give up too soon. Most people give up right, you hear it, most people give up right before the breakthrough. You know, think about the guy that, uh, uh, Edison that, that involved, invented the light bulb, what do we see, 700 times. He tried 700 times. And he said, man, you failed 700 times. He said, no, I didn't. He said, I learned a lesson every time. I learned what not to do. He never looked at it as a failure. He looked at it as a lesson and he persevered. What if he would have stopped at at 699? We might still be having church with candles today, right? Thank God he persevered and he had the perspective that, you know what, I'm going to keep going at this thing. Successful people just don't know how to quit on their dream. Proverbs 21:5 says this. The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads To poverty, The plans of the diligent. Here's that word again. You plan, you pray, you sharpen your skills, and you continue to be diligent in your line of work and in what you're doing. Proverbs says, stay steady, hang in there. There's no shortcuts to success. I found this uh, stat interesting. They did a study as well as uh, the CEOs in America right now. And the average time that a CEO had been at their company before they became CEO was 17 years. And 24% of all CEOs in America right now have never worked for anybody else except for the company that they work for. Right now. So sometimes we look at these big wig CEOs and with their suits and ties and they think, we think they just kinda, man, they just kind of made their way up and got money and, and they got no most of these guys, they stayed diligent. They worked hard with the same company and the same skills. And they work their way up to become CEOs of their company. So what am I saying? Hang in there. Stay with it. You, you don't succeed from jumping from job to job and idea to idea. By, by being swayed by every, every way of the wind. Listen, I, I understand, you know, the job that you're in right now, it might not be your, your long-term career or your calling or your ministry. But that goes back to point one. Revert back to point one. If, if, you, if you don't feel like it is, ask the Lord, Lord what you want me to do with my life, what you want me to do with my career, what have you called me to do, what is your, and when you figure that out and you know that God's saying, this is where I planted you, this is where I want you, stay with it. Stay diligent. Stay steady. Listen, ministry is not always easy. There's been times that it, it's gotten very, very tough. And 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 there's been times where it's like, man, I, I was rec- reconsidering it. It would be a lot easier just to go back and paint and be a painter. But you know why I never quit? Because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is what God wants me to do with my life. Once you see this, most of this message is very practical, but it all starts with a very spiritual principle, and that's knowing that you know that you know what God wants you to do. And again, you pray, you plan, you get advice from, from, from mentors and, and, and leaders and find out. But once you find out what that is, you get yourself planted and you stay with it. So as we wrap things up today, Some of you in here may be discouraged. Some of you are frustrated with your job right now as I'm speaking. Some of you even dreading going to work tomorrow morning. As I'm talking about work, you're like, why are you talking about work? I have one day left, you know? You don't like your job. You're ready to quit. When I've been saying persevere, stick with it, you're like, no, 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 no. You're like, you know. But before you do it, before you quit, again, and it might not be your long time career, but career uh, position or calling, before you do, I want you to consider a few things as we wrap it up. In order to keep going on when you're discouraged, you need to understand motivation. There are three types of motivation. You're motivated to work for one of three reasons. Number one, external motivation. I work for a paycheck or I work because I might be able to get a, get a promotion or win a maybe a, a dream trip or something. Or maybe I just work because I want to stay out of jail, right? You work for external motivation. Number two, you work for internal motivation. I work because it makes me feel good. I work because cuz it brings satisfaction what I do every day. I work because it, it it raises my self-esteem. And both of these are okay. You know, we all got bills, right? Y'all going all want to eat lunch after this, I'm sure, right? You know, and so you even though you look great, good saying, Go your good looks ain't gonna buy you lunch after church. You do need money. So external motivations is good. Internal's good too to to know that what you're doing, you're making a difference, right? I mean, that's the four, that's the last part of the four step journey. We want to make a difference. I know for me, whether it's an an eternal difference and I know I'm doing what God calls me to do or just when I get home and I cut the grass in the evenings and weed eat, you know, it's something good about getting inside and you've been sweating all day and, and, and whatnot and your, your yard looks good. Doesn't it feel good? Like you're tired? But I always tell my wife, but it's like a good tired. You know what I mean? Like it's a satisfying. So these first two are okay. It's okay to be external and internally motivated but these aren't going to get you through a crisis. When you have a crisis in your career or in your workplace, this is not going to get you through. The Bible says that we need a third kind of motivation, and it's an eternal motivation. So you ought to be eternally motivated to do the work that you're called to do, whether you're a plumber, a professor, a salesman, a manager, a painter, a carpenter, a, a, a teacher, or a mother with st- at, at, at home with kids. Whatever you're doing, you need to have eternal motivation to keep you motivated. Look at Colossians three twenty three through 24. It says this, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. So whatever, that covers everybody here, right? Y'all still awake, right? It covers everybody. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Listen, all of us have earthly bosses, but they're not your real boss. Your real boss is in heaven. Remember, you're working for the Lord, and he is going to reward you because he's the master you serve. So, so remember this. Next time you slack off at work, you take a longer break and a longer lunch, even though your boss or your supervisor is not on the job or right there, your real boss still sees you. That changes your perspective when it comes to how you, you, you work at work. How you spend your days at work. I'm guilty. I, I can tell you myself that before I got saved, uh, you know, we worked in construction. So the boss wasn't always on the job we were at. And we would get two 15-minute breaks and a 30-minute lunch. And sometimes they look more like 30-minute breaks an hour lunch. And after I got saved and I, I read the scripture and begin to hear what I'm telling you today, I was like, man, this is not right. One, I'm working for the Lord. So this is, this is you know, the Lord sees me. Plus, this is, I'm not being honest with my boss. And, you know, that's not always easy. Because I was slacking off just like them taking long lunches. And when I got saved and I decided that, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna do right by the Lord because I'm eternally motivated now. After 15 minutes, I'd get up and go back to work. And they'd be like, hey, man, what you doing? Where are you going? I'm going to work. Why? Because it's time to get back to work, you know. And they'd give me a hard time and, and say all kind of stuff. But you know what, and I can't say I was even perfect at that, but I was motivated by eternity now. I knew I had a Lord that never sleeps and never leaves the job, Right? And that's how we should all work. That's the mindset we should have. Because also, listen, I hope and I pray and I believe the scripture. I've been tithing since the day I got saved. The first time I made income after I got saved, I've been tithing. And I know this principle to be true. My wife and I are blessed. Our children are blessed. We, you know, all of our needs are met and we have extra, we really are. And I hope that you get that promotion. I hope you get that pay raise. But let me just say this, even if you don't, Even in your career, if you never make it to the position you want to make it to, if you never get to that six-figure salary you want to get to, or, 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 or get the dream job you want, guys, if we're motivated by eternity, the Lord says when we get to heaven, He's going to reward us for it. We're going to be compensated for everything that we did down here. And we got to have that mindset. You got to have, you got to be motivated by eternity. And one more thing about work, about motivation. Remember, we're talking about eternity now. Eternal motivation is that your work ethic is part of your testimony. As a born again believer, we testify, we preach by the way that we work. I even told the first service, I was thinking about it in between. I was like, man, that might have been a little kind of, kind of harsh, but I'm like, no, I don't really think it is. And I said this and I'll tell y'all again, because this goes for me too. You know what? If you show up at work late, constantly, if you do sloppy work, because, because you know, if good work is a good testimony, Bad work is a poor testimony, sloppy work. So if you get to work late and you do sloppy work, you slough off and you 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 know you uh you're you, you riding the clock, don't even open your Bible and share the scriptures with somebody. Let your life preach first. That's the way you work when you get to work tomorrow. Because you know what? You might minister to that person, but what your boss walks in be like, You so you preaching to, to my employees, but you uh, you know, you got here thirty minutes late every day this week? Those things don't line up. Your boss will be like, huh? You know, that don't, listen, let me ask you a question. Does your, does the way you work preach the gospel at your workplace? Can somebody tell you're a believer just by the way that you work? Ask yourself that question. By your work ethic, by your skill level, by, by, again, the way that you honor, how about this, the way that you honor your boss. The Bible says honor all those in authority. I knew I wouldn't get not one. I got one amen from that. I knew I wouldn't get a lot. But the Bible says, because, you know, ultimately just like we honor the Lord with the first part of our income, we honor the Lord by the way that we work, guys, right? And so if you got a heart to make a difference, if you got a heart to lead people to Christ and to be a good witness, hey, start by the way that you work. Start by being diligent. Start by being punctual. When you get to work, the way that you work, how you honor your boss, how you honor and work with your coworkers, right? We want to be a good witness and a good testimony to Jesus. So my question again is, have you committed your work to God? Do you want to be successful? If you do, Proverbs 16.3 tells us how. Commit your work to the Lord and it will succeed. How do you do these things? Again, you seek God's guidance through prayer and planning. You sharpen your skills on a regular basis. You share the profits through tithing. And then number four, you stay steady and never give up. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me? So as I said, there's three different motivations. Are you eternally motivated? Are you eternally motivated? And maybe you haven't been. And hopefully today you get stirred up. And and when you think about going to work tomorrow morning, it's not, you're not just thinking about your boss. You're not just thinking about that company you work for, but you're thinking, man, I'm going up and I'm going to do my work unto the Lord. I'm going to give 100%. I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to be diligent. Think about eternity. He's the real boss I'm working for. And if, you know what, he's going to compensate me for anything. If you think you've been sharded or been passed over, you know, first of all, the Lord says he's the one that promotes. He's the one that, that that you know, uh, does those things. But he'll compensate you. I believe that we all, the Bible is true. Y'all believe the Bible is still true? He's going to compensate. He's going to reward us when we get to heaven. So are you eternally motivated? And then my next question is, do you even think about eternity? And then my third question is, are you ready for eternity? You see, because the truth is, guys, what we had to be a part of or we got to be a part of yesterday as I was standing on this, at this very spot on this stage yesterday, and I'm looking at the family, a very young family, a young wife, three young children, siblings, a mom that was back in Mississippi. 32-year-old young man went to work Tuesday and probably didn't have another thought. Thought he was coming home that night to his family. He was going to go do his work, come home, and, and go about his routine and, what, and, and whatnot. They said that at 5.30... The manager saw Nathan and said he looked fine. There was no physical sign of, of any complications going on in his life. They found him at 6, 15, 45 minutes later. Guys, I'm just telling you, all just like that, we can be transferred over to eternity. So are you ready for eternity? Are you ready? This is always a sobering reminder for me. I told the first service, I, I wouldn't promise to be up here the second service. None of us are, right? It's a sobering reminder. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I ask the question again, are you ready for eternity? Nathan was ready. We know Nathan was born again. Lizzie told me he walked the aisle about four or five years ago, came down here and made it official that he surrendered his life to Christ. He didn't want to be late for church. He loved worship. He loved uh, Philippians 4.13 was his favorite scripture. I know he's in eternity today. He's having the greatest worship service ever. If that was you, We're talking about work. If you don't make it out of work tomorrow, if you don't make it to work tomorrow morning, are you ready? Are you ready for eternity? Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 3 before that says that we all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. So if we all sin and then the wages of sin is death. You know, we've been talking about work. We get wages for going to work. Well, the wages is death. And that means the eternal separation. That word death is not just physical death. It's an eternal separation from the Lord forever and ever. And the Bible says it's appointed for people to die one time. And after that comes judgment. Guys, when, our, when we breathe our last and our heart stops, it's, we got to be right at that moment. If not, it's too late. We'll either spend eternity separated from the Lord or we'll be in eternity in glory. Once again, every head bowed, every eye closed. Please, nobody looking around. The question still stands, and I hope you've already answered it. Are you ready for eternity? If, if you say, Brandon, I can't say that for sure. I'm not 100% ready. If that was me Tuesday, and you'd be in eternity, if you say, I, I, I'm not guaranteed, I know where I'd be. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand, and we're going to pray together. Say, Brandon, I need to get right with the Lord. I'm not ready for eternity. I see your hand over here. I see your hand here. Anybody else? see your hands in the middle. To the right over here. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Hands going up. Anyone else? We want to take a minute. In the back over here. I see your hand. Thank you, Father God. Anybody else? Over here, ma'am. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm ready for eternity, but man, I want to be ready. The Bible says that the free gift of God through Jesus Christ is how we get eternal life. The, the, The bad news is, is that we've all sinned. And the wages the sin of sin and death. The good news is Jesus came down. He died on the cross for you and me. He took the sin in our place. So the Bible says if we repent of our sins, believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. And ask him to be our Lord's, then we'll be saved. and we'll spend eternity with him. So those of you that raised your hand and everybody else around this auditorium, we're going to pray together. And I'm going to lead you in a, in, a, in a prayer of confession as you believe and trust in your heart. Just pray with me. Lord Jesus, I know that you love me. And I know that you died for me. Lord, I know that I've sinned. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. i make you my Lord and Savior. Now, Lord, give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap. Let's rejoice with these. Thank you, Lord. Thank you all. Wow, praise God. In the midst of this tragedy, yesterday, about five or six hands went up in that memorial service. And then again today, for all of you to raise your hands, welcome to the family of God. There's a card in the pew right in front of you. It says, I made a decision. Do me a favor, fill that card out and come and bring it to one of the pastors up here. Or you can go to the info city in the lobby, drop it off there, and we have a gift for you. Hey, let's go ahead, the rest of us, and pray through this. Still early, I'm going to let you go here in a minute. Why don't you lift your hands to the Lord? Do you want to succeed at work? You want to be successful in what God's called you to do let's pray through these father we pray for your guidance lord every single one of us we pray for your guidance and as we plan out the day tomorrow the week this week our lives in our career we ask for your direction and your guidance holy spirit now lord help us to sharpen our skills help us to develop the skills that we need to, to be more productive and influential at our workplaces lord for those of us like god that haven't tithed or haven't been tithing i pray that lord they would share 10% of their profits with you. Lord, and you said that, to, that that's the only place you said to test us and that you would pour out a blessing that we couldn't even t- contain it. And Lord, help us to be steady, steadfast, diligent, and never give up in what we're doing. Lord, help us to be good witnesses and may our work ethic be a good testimony. To the lost and hurting around us. Father, I pray your anointing, your grace, and your blessing upon my brothers and sisters today. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless y'all. Have a wonderful day. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here.